Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the lives of different individuals and discover how design has played an essential role in their lives. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. I really enjoyed chatting to basic founders Deborah Sams and Mary Lou in this two-part podcast. Starting out in a rundown beach shack in Sydney's Palm Beach, the duo have grown the mindful fashion house into an internationally acclaimed business. From the get-go, their vision was to create luxurious and wearable everyday pieces with a commitment to sustainable manufacturing. We decided to record each interview separately so that we get a better understanding of the differing perspectives on running the business, as well as to explore their varied roles, responsibilities, and ultimately how they make it all work. In part one, I chat to Deborah Sams about how the business began, how they have successfully maintained their values and remained on brand for over the last 14 years. Hey, Deborah. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, it's, re- it's really cool to finally speak with you. So uh, thank you so much for being on the Design Life podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. And what I found really inspiring is I fell in love with your clothes, uh, I guess like a lot of people do, um, just because they're just so, they're so simple, so wearable. Um, and uh, I guess in a way, uh, I mean, pretty elegant, but also Australian design and made. But the key thing for me is just kind of understanding you're the creative director and, and co-founder of BASIC. And is that how you say it, BASIC, by the way? It is. It is? Yeah. Okay. It is. I always say things wrong. <laughs> Someone keeps correcting me. I go, and I, I can't get it out of my head. But um, it's, it's really cool. I'm just kind of really keen to understand, have you always been a, a creative person? And, and um, where has your creativity kind of come from? I, I never really viewed myself as a creative person. It's really, it's, it's a weird thing. I, um, I grew up, my father was in the fashion industry. Um, uh, so when I was a little, little girl, um, in the 70s, um, he was in with Amco Jeans, um, which was a pretty iconic brand back then. And um, I used to you know, wear the mini, you know, denim flares with the matching double denim jacket. <laughs> and with photos of me, you know, with three dummies coming out my mouth and <laughs> a truck, a little trucker hat on. And and that was back in the early 70s. And I think um, just being exposed to fashion my whole life, um, it's just, I've just, it's, I've absorbed it, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, I sort of went through school. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, my, my subjects of choice were, you know, PE and, and home economics. <laughs> and I, I wasn't, like, doing art history or, like, it, it's funny. I just, um, and then when I fell out of, when I finished school, I studied um, Japanese, actually, at university. And um, wow. had, had this love love of Japan and, and went there as an exchange student and, um, and I suppose part of that culture and the creativity of that country and the people, um, I fell in love with that, but very subconsciously. Mm. Um, and then through uni, just worked in retail and then um, in fashion retail and then ended up sort of not finishing my degree in Japanese and um, 
started working for Mark. You know Mark. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just sort of that's where it all sort of started. And I suppose because of you know throughout my whole life, my father was you know he used to be he was with a few different companies, but he'd travel a lot and he'd bring back the latest denim jeans and like I, I just had beautiful products like always beautiful clothes and things growing up. So mm. I feel like it just sort of got ingrained in me and then um, I just loved the business. So, so did, you, yeah, that, did you study fashion or did you just learn it by No, I didn't. I didn't. And I, I, um, I suppose my dad was a denim purist and he would come <laughs> home, uh, like still is obsessively today, at the age of 73. Um, don't get started. <laughs> I love your I'm dad sorry. already. <laughs> don't get him started. It's just like, <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, but so he used to, you know, come home and describe how denim was made and what, what makes a pair of good jeans and the washing and the treatments and the denim. And um, I don't know. I just, I just, how, how things would fit, you know. And I think, Sort of growing up with that and then working in retail stores and understanding customers and the market and just you just absorb all this knowledge that um, you know I'm not a pattern maker I, I, I don't know but if you work with a great pattern maker and you know how something should look and fall and mm-hmm. you can understand fabrics and and you also have an eye for like for me I'm very focused on quality and super, super fussy with fabrication and mm. um, the integrity of the, the fabric because that that's really, you know, so that's fundamental to me. I can't work with cheap, nasty fabrics. Mm. Um, and I think that's really a strong part of the basic DNA. Just, um, you know, like we, we developed our cotton jersey um, from from scratch. We, we had the... Um, the fortunate circumstances that we knew um, one of the guys that um, supplied fabric to Bonds, um, and it was an Australian company, and they basically um, decided to work with us or offered to work with us, Lou and I, so a complete startup from mm-hmm. having a great idea. Um, so we developed our own fabric through them, and we were able to to purchase this unique yarn that created this beautiful jersey that was so luxurious and fine, um, mm. but also super wearable because the whole idea was that you wanted to be able to have this beautiful luxury T-shirt but actually be able to launder it and put yeah. it in the dryer, yeah. you know. And at the time we developed, we started the brand, we were traveling and we were buying, you know, a beautiful Andrew Muller Mister T-shirt for $300 in the super fine jersey that you had to dry clean it. And it was mm-hmm. like, this is crazy. Like someone needs to do a T-shirt brand that is actually sustainably designed, developed, and you can, you can actually, you know, wash it. Mm. And, um, so that's really how basic started. Wow. And, um, yeah, and it just felt, it's, it's all been just a very natural progression for me and for the brand, I think. And how did how did um, you, you and Mary Lou meet? Is it Mary Lou or Lou? You said Lou before. It, it's Mary Lou. Okay, yeah. cool. But ha- I, call her, I, I call her Lou. I'm probably, so, so we met um, 
when I think Lou was 21 oh. and I was 24. Mm-hmm. And we were working at um, a big retailer and we were buyers. Mm-hmm. And um, we were like the new kids on the block. We didn't really fit in with it. It was a bit quite clicky at the time. Anyway, her and I became really good friends. And um, we then became flatmates. And so we just, I don't know, we just really were close friends and flatmates and um, had a lot of fun together. Like, you know, Lou, Lou came to Sydney and I, I, she was this really quiet, so quiet as a mouse kind of. Um, yeah, just because, you know, she was 21 moving from Melbourne to Sydney. Mm-hmm. I was probably... She had a few friends, but I was probably her number one friend. And, yeah, so I kind of, I suppose, introduced her to Sydney in a way. And um, and we made friends through the business and through the industry. And, um, yeah, just formed this really strong friendship and partnership, which then um, after General Pants, I went to Subi. And when they were very, very much in their infancy of, the business and then um, I was with them for probably two or three years or no, maybe four before Lou jumped across from General Pants and worked with me um, there. So we've kind of always had this synergy and, you know, loved working together and, um, mm. yeah, so that was that was a long time ago. Well, tell me <laughs> what you've, you've done. You both have done phenomenally well. Um, and I've just obviously just seen the, the new store in Avalon open, was it last week? Uh, two weeks ago, and yeah. Designed by Kelvin Ho. I mean, a few weeks ago, it was a bank, an old bank. Which one was it? A NAB or a Combank or something? Yeah, it was the NAB. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just, it's just sitting there, beautiful, beautiful uh, shop right in the heart of Avalon. Completely transforms the place. Uh, <laughs> and um, a real beacon. And so well done with that, my God. But, oh, thank you. Have you, so you've been? Yeah, I've walked in there a couple of times. Oh, good. <laughs> I love the good. furniture too that you've got in there too. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's something interesting. Um, I spent quite a bit of time down in, in, in Avalon around that area, but you've, you've grew, you grew up around there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, um, my parents, well, we grew up at Whale Beach. Um, yeah, I spent my whole life there since I was sort of, I think, yeah, from when I was born till I moved into the big smoke mm-hmm. when I was in my early 20s. Um, yeah, so. And then I moved back in my early 30s to Avalon. So I had sort of 10 years in the city, and which was fun, and then moved back here. So. Yeah, just talk yeah. about that. What was it like growing up in that area? I mean, it's quite um, incredibly beautiful. It was pretty simple. Um, I mean, it was a beach culture. I grew up surfing, my dad was a surfer, you know, he had us on surfboards when we were, you know, six months old, mm-hmm. much to my mum's dismay. <laughs> um, and, you know, I grew up at the beach and it was all about the beach and mm. that's sort of what we did and um, it was very, very different to what it is now. Um, I I think it's been, become, you know, it's almost become like cool to live in Avalon now, you know what I mean? Like people want to move up here because it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but it's also very beautiful and it offers such a great lifestyle, I think, for kids. And mm. I mean, for me, I, I, I could be happy really living anywhere. Like 
I'm pretty adaptable, but to bring up, you know, a son up here where he can, you know, after school, ride his bike, go fishing, go surfing, mm. he's safe. There's nature everywhere. You don't have to get in the car to go anywhere. Don't promote you it know. too much for Christ's sake. You oh. can be inundated with people <laughs> moving there. And oh, it's, look, and there's nothing on the market, as you know. No, I know. And um, yeah. it's just for people listening in, uh, Whale Beach was where you were, you grew up, and, and Avalon yeah. is not far from Palm Beach, which is just yeah. where Home and Away is filmed. Um, so a lot of yeah. people listening in from the UK will be familiar with those incredible beaches and that uh, and the drama that's on that show. Um, oh, my God. Still filming. <laughs> I still see Alf. I go for my morning walk, and there's Alf still on set. It's amazing. <laughs> How funny. Does, does he live around there? He must live there a bit too much. Yeah, too much community. Mm. Yeah. It, it really is a spectacular place. You've got the best of both worlds with the spectacular beaches and then pit water, which is just absolutely stunning. It is. It's, you, and you do. Like, I appreciate it. If ever, I mean, my happy place is Palm Beach. Like, I walk three or four times a week down there and just I still marvel at Barangay Headland. I still look out at the surf, and that's really all I need in my week. Mm. If I get to do that, I'm like, I've had a great week. Well, let's talk it's, about the fact that you've, you're, you're, you're running, uh, both of you are running um, uh, a very iconic Australian fashion brand, uh, which is known internationally, out of Avalon, or is it Narrabeen where your, your studio uh, is? Warrywood. Warrywood. Oh, okay, so, Warrywood, um, sorry. Yeah, behind Monavale. Mm. Um, yeah, it kind of feels like it shouldn't be there, but but I guess since COVID, you can now work anywhere, right? Well, was it difficult yeah. being based there or not originally? Um, so originally we were at Palm Beach. Um, we rented like an old beach house in Pacific Road, mm-hmm. and it was literally falling down around us. It had this beautiful stone fireplace. Nice a view over Barangay Headland. Um, there were snakes that would come inside, blizzards, possums. You were constantly like, you had a broom out defending yourself. Or, you know, it was <laughs> it was awesome. So it was just Lou and I, and we'd set up, you know, desks from Ikea and <laughs> quite hilarious. Oh, um, and then, you know, then we employed like a bookkeeper and then you know the pattern maker moved in and she had the office right out the back where the possums are in the roof and <laughs> um, then you know we got our sales manager and then you know slowly but surely it was like oh my god we have so many people in this office <laughs> we were running but it was a house and then yeah. we're running the on store from there as well um, <laughs> I actually laugh when I think about it we had all this inventory like in like cupboards but they were like cupboards that were built in the 1950s. So <laughs> damp and moldy. <laughs> oh, fibro, and it was totally oh, Um But we kind of just we were just hustling, I suppose. But the business just boomed from the beginning, and we started in 2006. In 2007, the GFC hit, mm. and um, but it was sort of weird. Like the first season we delivered three months late um all our shrinkages and our patterns were on <laughs> so everything came in oversized but oh. <laughs> it was like such a disaster but 
sorry for Don't laughing. tell me that because I'm still wearing extra large and it still feels quite baggy. <laughs> Are they still oversized? Yeah, we, it, but that became like our aesthetic. You know what yeah. I mean? It was it was meant to be slouchy, but it was like super slouchy. Mm-hmm. And the retailers were so hardcore with us. They were like, "This is you can deliver, but it's sale or return. Like we are taking no responsibility for this." Mm. Anyway, we delivered, and it sold so well. Mm. And then, so then it was just like instant sort of love. Everyone just loved our product because there was such a niche in the market for Australian-made, well-designed, really simple basics. No one was doing it. Mm. Everything was like multi-branded and busy and, mm. you know, it's just bad fashion at the time. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just a timing thing and we we're at the forefront of that organic sort of sustainable, minimal no, it just wasn't happening here. I'm not saying internationally it wasn't happening, but in Australia it wasn't. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it sort of went boom. And then the GFC hit and we just had to sort of battle through that. But we, we continued on a really strong trajectory. And um, I think 2005, we call our – sorry, 2015 was like our golden year where we just had a massive, massive year. And then – you know, things got harder. It's harder in that, you know, you don't have this sort of very vertical trajectory. Things you start to peter off a bit and you employ more people and your infrastructure gets heavier and you move premises. And that's sort of when we moved into our new premises at Warrywood where we took on this huge lease and fit out. And, you know, things get very serious then. And, um, you want yeah. The sh- you want the shack on the beach again, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah. Totally. I've gone into hibernation at my house because I'm like, oh God. Yeah, but... Um, what, was, what, was it, your, what was your vision? Was it to grow the business to the scale that you guys have done now? It was actually. Mm-hmm. It was like we wanted to be an iconic Australian brand. That was always our vision. Um, and unique. We wanted to be unique. And we sort of wanted to be like that go-to. Like I need, I need a T-shirt, I go to basic. Mm. Um, but obviously since then the collections have evolved and we do denim and we do, you know, a, a full ready-to-wear line and that was a real natural progression from the jersey. Um, yeah. And the brand itself, I mean, obviously it, it, it just kind of looks like you get the whole thing right and I remember seeing your um, the T-shirts. Is that what you're calling the jersey? Is it the T-shirts or what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, with a massive dot on the front. And I'm, I'm, obviously I love yeah. graphics and I was like, ooh, I want one of those. Um, except for I'm slightly, I'm not super fit. It makes me look a bit pregnant, but um, <laughs> it emphasizes my stomach. Um, but on, it, it looks amazing on, on, on slimmer people. Um, and so um, what I was going to say is, how did that come about? How do you, who did you work with to create your brand? You know, you obviously know Jonathan Zawata. Zawata. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he worked, he created our branding um, for us, which was just genius. Um, the simplicity of the dot, the, the proportion of the dot was a huge part of it. So he spent hours getting the proportion of that dot right. And that is something that is so important to our brand. Like, for example, the dot on the store at Avalon. Oh, it looks so good. 
but that that for me, like the first iteration of that, I was like, no, the proportion's not right. But it's only sort of a few people, like probably even Lou and myself, that know exactly what that proportion needs to be. Mm. Um, and that's really quite a key. I mean, that that's what our brand's about. Like it's so subtle, yeah. but it's so much subtleties are what make it good. And and I think, um, you know, there's been, obviously you've seen a lot of people doing their version of our dot. Mm-hmm. Um, big brand, you know, big commercial brands, everyone's had a go at it, but what makes, what makes us laugh is they never get the proportion right. <laughs> so, you know, that, that I think, you know, the size of it and the way it sits on the tee is totally what makes it look good and, you know, the smaller iterations of it are just quite amusing because there's been so many versions of it over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't name names, but, um, yeah. I think that, um, is it, it's, I presume it's from the dot of the eye, right? No. Oh, okay. No, there's no, oh, I thought there's that's no real... No, no, it's just, um, I don't know. I suppose it's, you know, the word basic, the concept of the brand, the dot, it's just all, it kind of makes logical sense in a way. It was funny. I was, I was, I put on Instagram the other day, uh, I was wearing one of your gray t shirts with the green, massive green dot on the front, uh, which I love. And mm. I went, went for a doctor's appointment. And there was yep. queuing up, and and they had to, you had to sign in and do the COVID all that information, and they give everybody a green dot once they've been through the process. And I thought, oh, yeah, I saw how, that. how funny! And I said, Look, surely I don't have to wear this green dot. I've got one on me that's about two feet wide. Um, they said, yes, you need to wear that, please. I go, oh, so funny. I had two dots. I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> what was the likelihood of that happening? It was so I know. Funny. Um, but yeah. It, but it's just, um, it's just, yeah, a really, really strong uh, device. I guess it's just simply a circle, a dot. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's obviously become very ownable by you guys and very distinctive. Um, and you know, you see people wearing them all the time, uh, and they always look so fabulous. And what I love is you haven't put the the, you know, the name on the T-shirt, or because it, it it's it already says what it, who's it's from. Um, which is really cool, um, but yeah, I yeah. I also wear your your green trousers um, to the canvas ones. I absolutely love those; they're so comfortable. Um, I wear them literally every day. I've got a couple that I alternate. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, that's what men are like, right? Once they get something they love, they just buy another color in it, or they just buy the same color in it, and they're creatures of habit. I think. I love that about menswear, just this, you know, yeah, just it's very, very simple. Very simple, just throw it on and not have to, yeah. and feel so good in it. That's the key thing for me anyways. Yeah. Um, interesting too, walking around Avalon, I've just noticed so many people just walking around in bare feet all year round. And it's quite a, there's a lot of, quite a relaxed style of living there, isn't it? I guess it's the surf culture. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's kind of a mix now. I feel like there's a lot of people moving from, say, the east, the north shore. Um, I think young families wanting um, backyards and maybe just a better life, if, if you know what I mean, yeah. like get out of the city. And 
I think there's a really nice community up here. Um, and, and just that village, like there's not many places like that left in Sydney that there's that village sort of community. And um, I don't know, it feels like this is quite safe mm. and not maybe safe in that, you know, you're not going to get murdered or your house isn't going to get broken into, but people support each other. People care about each other. Um, people have got each other's backs. I think it, it's, it's nice. It's, um, it's a nice, it's such a great place to bring up kids. I think. Mm. I, I, I agree. Do you think basic yeah. could only have come out of uh, the Northern beaches? Cause it just it feels so right. Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was a conscious decision to be up here. I think we've both been working in the city in businesses for so long that we actually just wanted to detach and just do our thing the way we wanted to do it. We're both very private people. Mm-hmm. We're not part of the scene, the fashion scene at all. We we just do our thing. And it was important for us to just, yeah, just, take ourselves away and do something unique and honest and that we, we didn't have the distraction, I suppose. And and I think just being up here still, we're just tucked away, you know what I mean? Like it, we're, we're, we're actually a quiet brand. Um, that's been one of our criticisms um, over the years that, you know, you guys are too quiet. No one knows you. You need to promote yourselves more and blah, blah, blah. But, it's never been about that for us. It's been about the integrity of the product and actually people finding the brand through the product, mm-hmm. not through promoting ourselves and us as personalities, as designers, as the faces of the brand. Yeah. It's been more product focused and, you know, I think there's an honesty with that. You know, it's, it's people gravitate towards things they like and, and that has created this incredibly loyal customer base. Mm. You know, like we, everyone we work with, we've even our suppliers. Like we've worked with them since we started. Mm. A lot of the yeah, it's family, and and you know, the people that buy the brand still buy it from, and you know, fourteen years ago when. So it's kind of a community in a way, I suppose that we've built, and um, and it's a bit of a slow burn as well. Mm-hmm. Like um, we never really wanted to be the next best thing and the new kids on the block and be this big sort of famous brand. Um, although we did want it to be an iconic brand, I suppose it was sort of built over, you know, earning your stripes as well, like actually doing something for 10 years before you even spoke about yourself. I think that was really important to us, yeah. like earning, earning your stripes because Australia is such a you know, there's a lot of big fish in a little pond here. Yeah. And, and it, it's, you know, I don't know, something, it's nice to just let the people come to you and not go out there and promote yourself. I think that's a really lovely uh, approach. And I guess the it sounds kind of, actually, I spent quite a bit of time in Japan too, and it feels very, very Japanese in that, in that respect, you know, quite very humble, very focused on doing things well. And exactly. simple simplicity, well crafted and timeless as well. Yeah, and I think you know this whole sustainability conversation. Like we've mm. been we've been doing that since we started, but we've been busy doing it, 
and not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of now that we feel, you know, Lou can talk to this more because she's, you know, our director of sustainability. But it's really about, again, you need to do things as best you can in the right way to serve the earth and to, and if you have a conscious choice to do that as a business, why would you not do it? And that was from the start for us. We were like, okay, we have the choice. We can buy organic yarn or non-organic yarn. The organic yarn is, you know, a bit more expensive, but let's do it. You know what I mean? Because, Mm. but that wasn't something that we, we kind of openly promoted as a brand and people didn't care 14 years ago. People mm. did not look at a label. They didn't care if you were made in Australia or made in China. Or And it's so different now. Mm. You know, people are consciously shopping and they do want to know where their garments are made. They do want to know. They want to feel good about what they're purchasing. When we started, like, no one cared. No one looked at a label. We could have been made in China. We could have been... You know, but I think for us, that was just something really small that we felt we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also working with local industry, you know, um, when we started with our t-shirt factory, they were literally about to go broke. Um, there mm-hmm. were people, you know, the GSC had hit yeah. and um, there were companies that owed them a lot of money, you know, mm-hmm. and we started with them really small. And they've now had to, you know, rebuild factories and expand and expand and expand and grown without business. Mm. And so, you know, this whole local industry, like there's a real pushback now that brands are trying to push back to local industry, but it's such a complicated process to produce in Australia and it's so, um, it's hard. It's really hard. So unless you've kind of done it from the start to sort of bring your production back, onshore is really difficult. So it would be an interesting um, space to watch that. Um, but they're just the little things I suppose we did as a brand when we started. It was a conscious decision. It was much harder. It was much more expensive. Mm-hmm. But now it's just like, thank God we did that. Like it yeah. served us. Like with the whole the whole COVID thing, I mean, we've been so fortunate. Yeah. It's actually reinvigorated our brand. Well, it's been amazing. so yeah. So you, you were just wanting to do the right thing from the beginning. I guess you experienced that with other brands, how they were importing products versus making them locally. Yeah, I mean, we had the experience locally. Mm-hmm. We had both experience and um, it just felt very natural for us to do it. And we're both really fussy about products, you know, and finished finish garments and fabrics and like both of us are really, really specific about that. So it, it felt like the most, you know, we were giving the brand in- integrity and it felt like the most beautiful way to produce products and the most authentic. And it's the same with our denim out of Japan. Like, you know, it's really challenging producing denim out of Japan. Um, there's so many, you know, the language, the way they mm. produce, the cost. But, like, the finished product is just so beautiful and, you know, you, you make sacrifices to do that to get – and, you know, a lot of brands do that as well. I mean, it's 
But it's, I, I think it's what kind of then separates you as a brand because of those, um, the way that we produce, I think, and the garment looks different, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, business is really hard. Um, and I've run my design company for 26 years and there's times when it's been, you know, going gangbusters and, and, and feels really easy and there's times that it's been absolutely really hard. Um, and... I guess probably like uh, you, I, I know, no one taught me how to run a business. I kind of learned through just doing it. Was that a similar situation for you? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we were early 30s and we'd worked, I mean, luckily worked with sort of some big, big companies that had given taught us skills, but having your own business is such a different thing and I mean, I think we just made sure that we invested in our people and really knew what we were good at and what we weren't good at. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had, you know, in the early stages of the business, um, you know, our CEO, Billy Boss, we've, he's been working with us for over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, our CFO, the same, Deborah Burney, like they've been with us since the very, very beginning. And I think, you know, times like this is when you really, really rely on those people. And, the, I mean, we have an incredible team. That, And all of it, most people have been with us. You know, people are coming up to their 10 years. Um, and I think just surrounding yourself with a great team um, is, as you would know, kind of the only way you can do it. Mm, like, absolutely talented people like it's it's so hard even when business is good it's hard because yeah. that creates a whole new set of challenges like for us now we're like we're trying to keep up with production and mm. we've had this major sort of resurgence and we're chasing like it's it's hard mm. it's just we're in another gear now yeah um, after sort of scaling everything back through COVID and you know thinking that we could potentially end up closing down like it was that Dire, yeah, it was. going to the complete opposite. I mean, we're it, very it, fortunate, aren't we, compared to other people who've gone out of business and other, and other countries are still struggling with this right now. Uh, we've both been very I mean, fortunate. We are so fortunate here. Like, it's you know to be able to just live fairly normally. Yeah, you've always got in the back of your head like at any moment things could get bad again, but. Um, the fact that we can, you know, our kids can go to school. Mm. I mean, just like things that you take for granted that, you know, you don't have to walk around with a mask on. Like, I don't know. We are so fortunate. Um, I think touch wood. That, I think that obviously, you know, a business like yours that has, has so, such integrity and honesty and, and strong values and very, very sustainable, um, that just kind of proves that no matter what goes on in the world, that people... People are realigning to uh, nature, uh, getting centered again and reevaluing their lives, etc. Where these your values are are certainly top of mind for people, and that association with brands that have such uh, such a positioning and the genuine, not not fake and trying to just sell stuff, but you're genuine in um, in everything that you guys do. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that was really important is important for me as a designer is to actually create something beautiful, but something that is very useful. And I think, you know, 
it, I think we're all thinking about consuming and waste and how much do you need and there's such a shift in consumerism and um, people, you know, they're not spending the money on disposable fashion anymore. I mean, look, I'm not an expert on this, but from what I gather from what's happening here, people are buying things that are useful and they can wear. And I think our brand, um, you know, the fact that that's always been our DNA, you know, it's always been like wearable, classic, you know, not not fast fashion, slow fashion. It's always been about having a collection that makes sense with the previous collections so that you can wear it all together. And it, it's all been very timeless. And, um, and yeah, I think that's sort of now really what people are wanting. I mean, it'll change again, but for right now, I think, just seeing like I was just down in the store in Avalon today and, I mean, between 9.30 and 10, there were like, you know, so many people coming through shopping on like a Thursday morning in Avalon. Like it was, I don't know, it's it's funny. It's just, it's a really interesting time and I think it's um, a recalibration for the whole industry. Mm. Um, and everyone has to do their bit. You know, I don't think, I think it's kind of mandatory now that fashion brands have to change and they have to evolve and they have to think about the footprint they leave. And and I'm not saying we're perfect at it. We're still, we've got a long way to go and we're working really hard on that. Um, But, and I don't, you know, I don't know. I I wonder if the customers, I think some of the customers think about that and then I think others just like what we do. I don't necessarily think they're thinking about sustainability and I think it's just the subconscious. They like the brand and they shop with us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I was going to ask you what the future of basic is, but I think you just said that. Um, the future of the, the fashion industry, I guess, globally, um, as you said, needs to kind of uh, have, a, have a total rethink. Um, and I guess a lot of companies are. I mean, it's very surprising this year to see that G-Star went out of business. Um, I did like their ARC jeans. They were quite nice. Um, they're called ARC. Some of that. Um, but um, it just proves that some businesses don't, you know, aren't designed to last forever or they maybe go out of fashion, um, literally. And, that, and I think any a strong fashion brand that manages to last a long time is is. In, in, incredible um, to be able to achieve that because I mean as, as obviously as fashion is so kind of um, uh, literally in and out of fashion um, you guys have maintained that that appeal and that desire and um, I guess you never do you ever do do you ever design anything that you go oh that that wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't right or that was off brand or do you spend so much time focusing on it initially that you don't get to that situation? Um, I, I try not to. If anything doesn't feel instinctively on brand and right, I, I, won't, I don't do it. I do get, um, I get pushed and pulled a lot from commercial, you know, needs. Mm-hmm. And, and say we have a buying team for our stores. And, and so there, there's a lot of push and pull that, that goes on. 
And occasionally I will do things that I'll be like, oh, I don't really love that. But, you know, it'll go in and it will sell. Like often things that I least like in the collection are the best sellers. <laughs> <laughs> and the stuff I really love, like people, and I'm like, but I don't get it. Like that's like my favorite thing. And, but, I'm pretty strong. I'm pretty firm with like sticking to my guns on um, the design, and if it doesn't feel right, ninety ninety five percent of the time I won't won't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important, I think, not to just like jump onto a trend and just oh, people want this puffy sleeved feminine look, and but that's so not on brand. So mm-hmm. I. I kind of, I try and stick to my guns. Um, yeah, I, and I think, you know, that creates your DNA, doesn't it? When you don't try and be all things to all people, you just do what you do and you do it well. And Yeah, exactly. But, but I, I think um, one of the appeals of our brand is that we don't alienate people. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I feel like there's sort of the, you can walk into a basic store and, feel intimidated or that, you know, there's not things that will fit you or I feel like we're quite an inclusive brand. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our customer ranges from like a 15-year-old to pseudo an 80-year-old. You're like, we get the grannies coming in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the, you know, the teenagers buying the brand. So it's like pretty inclusive and non, I don't know, I don't think it's intimidating or yeah no not at all i bought a yeah but what what uh i was going to talk about was anybody starting out in a business um whether it's fashion or any type of business that they've started like you did like you two did um down in palm beach in the in the beach shack uh, those mm. early days when you're starting out, what would you what would you advise people today starting out uh, with a business and you know startup or whatever uh, of those early days of how to approach it and things that you might have learnt along the way? Um, I think do something that you really love and if you're really passionate about it. Um, I don't know. It's almost like we had our blinkers on. We were so blindsided by what we were doing that you could almost not even think about anything negative or bad that would happen. Mm. It's this naivety, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of, you go into business and you have this, you know, stars in your eyes and this mm. naivety and optimism. And, and I've always been that person, always, I think un, until recently, until COVID hit. <laughs> oh. And now, now I have serious PTSD from it. Well, but, it's been um, very trying times. Oh, man. Um, but I just say go for it. Like, be optimistic. Surround yourself with the ta- talented people. Um, you do have to listen to people, but don't listen to everything. Like, gosh, we got so much advice. Don't do this. Don't, that's never going to work. Don't I, like, I mean, constant. Mm-hmm. Why are you making in Australia? Make in China. You're going to get much better margins. Like, yep. I mean, it's just constant. But you've got to stick to your guns, and um, yeah, I don't know. I just say go for it. I I, I love seeing young people in business um, successful. I just 
it's just the best thing because it sort of takes me back to what you, you have to have a crack. You have to have a go and um, and do it. Like, what's stopping you? You can only fail, and if you fail, what have you got to lose? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're less likely to fail if you're if you're that determined too. Um, what what do you yeah. think in terms of uh, that kind of optimism is really really important and 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 but also when you just said earlier about listening to a whole bunch of people's advice and people some people say things that kind of go against what you believe in well how do you decipher that how do you work out what it what advice to take and what not to take i mean is how much of that is listening to your own kind of intuition your own gut um look i think you know, if, if you surround yourselves with the right people, I think you have to listen to them because they are the experts in what they do. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's a fine line. It's, it's, it's being respectful um, to them. And, you know, there are times where I really want to do things and I – over the years, I can be really stubborn and, like, I just want to do it. It will make it work um, and just really gone for it, you know what I mean? And I'm lucky that I've had people around me pulling pulling back the reins a bit um, and slowing me down because I think I would have had some major, major hiccups along the way. Um, but in some sense, Look, I think it's important not to look too far back and um, analyse things either. I think, um, you know, I always, I always wonder. Like, I, I feel like our brand has been quite steadily grown. I, I feel like we haven't like grown super, super quickly. Other people may argue with that and say that that's crazy. You guys are huge, but. I don't feel like we are. I feel like we have really strategically, steadily, safely grown up business over mm. 14 years. Um, and I often wonder, you know, like if, say, we were a brand in the US, like we would have been, you know, 100 times bigger than what we are or if we did other mm. things. Like I often put myself in those shoes and go, oh, if we did this, we'd be, you know, we'd be this and that. But, um, I kind of now where we're at, sitting at right now, I'm so incredibly, I don't like to throw this word around because everyone's using it, but grateful, mm-hmm. um, for everything, every decision that we've made in the past 14 years, because for example, like basic are not in every Westfield shopping center in Australia. Mm-hmm. We're in two shopping centers in the whole of Australia. Now, that was a very strategic decision um, to be more in strip locations, be in less commercial sites, less have, have less of a you know, bigger footprint. Yes, we may not be as commercially as successful as other brands, but now where we're sitting right now is like who would want to be in a shopping centre? Like mm. the fact that we have really strategically grown our business like where we're sitting right now, we are just, we're in such a safety zone, um, touch wood again, but like the thought of like having 20 stores in big shopping centres, I don't know if I'm allowed to name, you know, Westfield and people like that, but 
um, yeah, like I'm so grateful because like we would be in all sorts. I just feel like the world has changed yeah. and it's continued to change and people are gravitating to, you know, coastal areas, to rural areas. People don't want to be in cities. They don't want to be walking around shopping malls. Um, you know, so I think making decisions like we have over the years that have been, like, often I'm like, oh, I just wish we could build this thing much quicker and, mm. you know, like, I, I get impatient, um, but right where we're at right now, I'm just like, oh, my God, thank God, I just want to slow things down. I just want to be really, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like I've grown up and learnt some very valuable lessons. Um yeah, in the past, so it's probably six to twelve months. It's like, yeah, yeah, it certainly made us all have a, a rethink, hasn't it? That time um, in isolation, but also in this time, uncertain times, too, uh, certainly made a lot of us rethink um, to to reduce, to slow down, to simplify our, our lives, etc., and rediscover our families, our homes. Um, mm. There's a huge trend, obviously, in people um, cooking again or you know, making the houses nicer, et cetera, spending more time with their family, all those things that we should have been doing before. I don't know why we weren't. We just, we're just running at such a goddamn pace. Um, exactly. For some reason. And uh, just just in terms of, you know, I always ask uh, my guests this question, but ha- have you designed your life? Oh. <laughs> I, I don't think I have up until now, but I'm designing the future. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm designing the future. Yeah, I, I want I I want my life to be a bit different to what it is now. I must say. I mean, the, running, <laughs> running a business and a family and all that it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot out of uh, all of us. Um, and you know, I guess what I, I certainly find uh, certainly when I wrote my book, I was very honest and open about uh, my life and things that I'd struggled with, um, and it's interesting how people find that quite, um, I don't know, quite revealing. But uh, I think, again, I think people are becoming far more focused on mental health and well-being and supporting each other. And I think that's a really phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And, I, and I, it's kind of funny that it that it's taken a, a pandemic like this to make people to become more human as a result. I know. It's, um, it's, it's actually as painful as this is to to, uh, to everyone, and I mean, some people so much worse are victims than others. Um, I just think it's. I agree wholeheartedly. I just think it's. I like it, just talking personally. Like I feel like the past fourteen years, I just like literally put every single ounce of myself into our business, and um, and I think you know. I'm, I'm really glad. I, I don't have any regrets about this, but um, I want the future to be different. Mm. And um, it and and stopping, like you say, like you know, every eight weeks I was on a plane going somewhere and just pedaling, running, running, running. And while that's all really exciting and interesting and you know inspiring and all that, um, you actually don't have time to stop and feel and. And to actually feel anything, I, I, I don't think I do. Um, and actually stopping um, has actually just brought so much up 
about that. It's sort of like, well, actually, what do I really, really want in life? Like, where do I want, what do I want the next five to 10 years to look like? And Mm. I feel like it's kind of exciting because it's like, now we have time to design our lives. You know, now we have time to, to sit and think and sit in it and go, what do I actually want? Um, Whereas before we were so unconscious, we were just being, being almost driven by other things um, Mm. that, kind of aren't really that important, right? <laughs> it's kind of funny how it was seen as being alternative lifestyle, wasn't it? That we're, we seem to all of a sudden, everyone's, well, everyone, a whole bunch of people are kind of embracing this idea of slowing things down, slow food, slow fashion, uh, slow furniture, <laughs> quiet furniture, quiet homes, um, and also just breathing, <laughs> traveling less, uh, re- reconnecting. I mean, I find it incredibly difficult. I find it really hard to all of a sudden go bang, so everything stopped, and you go, "Well, hang on a minute. Uh, this feels really weird." I struggle with that did for a long time. Yeah. Did you almost like? I feel like I've almost been in a slight sort of depression. Like I feel yeah. this sense of almost grief. It's really, really weird. But I, I felt very, um, very. Like missing that, really missing the, like really missing the travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just felt like low. And then, um, but it's almost like you have to get to that point to actually rebuild and, and really look at what you want. And yeah, it's, it's been a really funny time, I think. Um, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I felt the same thing. I felt um, quite depressed, very low. I felt like a sense mm-hmm. of mourning. Um, I didn't, I don't know, I just couldn't, I just, I felt also regret for, once I kind of started to come out of that, I started regretting how I'd lived previously. Um, and then also going, wow, you know what, I've been fo- so focused on the future and mm. visualizing the future and working towards it being better in the future that I actually completely forgot about embracing the now, embracing today, um, and even acknowledging that every day. It, it sounds like a cliche because people have told me for years to focus on now, <laughs> focus on the day. And I go, well, oh, well I will yeah. in the future. <laughs> That's part of his still, still finding it difficult to embrace the now. But yeah, yeah I know. I know. It's, it's actually, God, it's elusive. It's the elusive now. Like, I, I hear you. I, I spend hours meditating a day. <laughs> That's good. And it's still hard, you know, like. I don't know, it's just, but it's stopping, you know, and actually being comfortable to do nothing. Mm. And when you fill your life up with being busy, um, actually stopping and doing nothing is the hardest thing. And I've been gardening, getting in the garden. and um, Oh, well done. Yeah, tending to my gardenias and my basil, and, and I'm certainly not the best gardener. Um in fact, I'm pretty bad at it, but there's nothing more satisfying than, you know, fertilizing your gardenias, watering them, and then, you know, your first gardenia blooms and, I don't know, just stuff like that for me I've, I've found really awesome about being home and, you know, even cleaning cobwebs off windows and, mm. I don't know, just that kind of stuff. is Yeah, just simple things. Therapeutic. 
I'll tell you what's also very satisfying. That's the croissants across the road from your shop in Avalon. Oh, oh yeah. Is that, I, can't, I, know. I don't know what that baker's called, but it's well Loving worth it. the queue. Yes. Loving it. Oh, my God. I know. It, it, yeah. It's good. <laughs> really good. Well, look, um, Deb, it's been really, really amazing. And I'm so thankful that we've finally got to chat. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to um, hopefully bumping into you in Avalon when I'm up there next. And Please I'll, let me know if you're up next and we'll ca- definitely catch up. I'd love to okay, so meet you in person. Yeah, be <laughs> meet in the bookshop or something. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for having me on the show. And um, I think I babbled quite a lot, actually. <laughs> You've what? I babbled. No, not at all. It's been brilliant. Um, it's been so good um, to hear what you've been saying, and I just love just your your integrity and, and you know you doing things for the all the right reasons. So I mean, massive congratulations on that. So I know how bloody hard it is and um, how hard it is to kind of keep those standards up, um, especially when times are tough. Um, but um, the world's a better place for you guys doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Vin. In the second part, I chat to Mary Lou, Basics Director of Supply Chain and Sustainability, about the business's eco-friendly practices, some important tips in starting a brand, and why it's so important to take a step back and appreciate what you have achieved. Hello. Hello, Ben. Yes, is that Mary Lou? Yes, it is. How are you? Hey, good. I'm very good, thank you. Nice. Uh, thanks for calling through. So, like, welcome to Design Your Life. It's really cool to have you on the podcast. And Mary Lou, your, your role at uh, BASIC is Director of Supply Chain and Sustainability, right? Yes, that's correct. And what an incredible role that is. An yeah. Imp- important role. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We kind of um, we kind of made an official, probably just coming out of um, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always kind of sat in that part of the business. I used to design all the menswear collections and then um, just sort of coming out of the pandemic and just sort of looking at the business and what was sort of needed, we kind of felt that we had been sort of doing lots of sustainable practices in our business to, you know, produce locally. Um, but it was something that was really important for the brand and we really wanted to kind of stand for that. So I kind of moved into that role a couple of months mm. ago and, yeah, just loving it. And it was so cool to hear how you and Deb have known each other for a very long time, worked together, lived together, et cetera, yeah. and still, yeah, and still able to work together. <laughs> Yes, exactly, you know, exactly. Which is really cool. I mean, and to see the business growth in 14 years has been pretty significant too. Yeah, yeah, it has been. Um, certainly one of the fortunate ones. I think, um, you know, I think so many of the things that we kind of, when we started the business, like the, the vision and, and the idea of what we wanted to create, um, you know, has kind of really served its purpose, I guess. You know, I think when we kind of look back, when we started the brand and you know, supporting local industry and using organic cotton, like that was kind of very new at the time. And I think it's nice to kind of be here sort of 14, 15 years later and not be sort of, you know, driven by taking things offshore because you might have, you know, margin upside, you know, we've actually kind of really stuck to our kind of our values and, you know, the, the brand sort of DNA and aesthetic, you know, sort of the whole way through, which is, um, which is nice. And I think yeah, it's kind of serving us now, certainly I think with, coming out of the pandemic and the type of product that we're doing and it's so accessible and easy, but the fabrications and, um, 
you know, I think we're in a really we're in a really nice position at the moment. It's it's really cool to hear that, and and um, I guess you know your positioning around doing good, uh, you know, by the planet whilst running a successful business. Um, I guess in the past, people always thought about sustainability as being kind of a an extra investment, which kind of compromised, um, you know, the financial return. And and as we yeah. and as we can see today, how important it is to be sustainable, and that the customers are 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 wanting it more than ever uh, as well. Which is, um, mm. you guys are ahead of the game regarding that positioning. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, I think to your point too, like. You know, when we started with organic cotton, people didn't really connect with it. You know, they probably connected more with the design and that they mm. liked the cotton T-shirts and stuff. But we're definitely, especially over the last couple of years, we're definitely hearing more conversation, especially through our retail stores, you know, how important it is that, you know, there's thought behind the design, there's also thought behind where we make it, and then obviously using organic cotton. It's just, it's definitely um, a conversation that is being had more often and, and we're certainly, um, you know, having a more of a discussion internally in our business, even though it's something that we just did, which was just part of what we did because that's what we felt what was right. Mm. Um, but just sort of taking that and amplifying it is sort of really what we want to do, you know, the next sort of phase of our business. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That sounds awesome. And I mean, I guess, like Deb mentioned, there's a lot of people around you guys kind of trying to convince you to do it in a easier way potentially or offshore uh, for yeah. it to be more profitable, but you guys st- stuck to your guns. Yeah, we did. And I think you know, there's always something really lovely too. Like I spend quite a bit of time out of our, out of our makers and, you know, it's just such a lovely partnership. And I think we've always treated our business as partnerships, you know, um, whether it's our manufacturing partner, whether it's our fabric supplier, whether it's our VIP customer or, you know, our own internal staff. Like, it's all about partnership. And I think when you can align all of that together and understand the true cost of what that means, then, you know, you can just build a business model around that. And I think we've been fortunate to be able to build sort of great design with great ethics and great purpose. And, you know, if I think, you know, people think that it's not possible, but it actually is. And I think we've proven that that it is a possibility to have all those things aligned and all bubbling away at the same time mm, yeah absolutely and um i think also we discussed like just how, how hard business can be and often i i mean i found i made a kind of transition kind of a few years ago in my business to you know i was always the ceo and the kind of the, the group creative director but i moved more towards the ceo role um yeah but i, I guess it was interesting you talked about your past uh being kind of, i guess you're a fashion designer if you design the men's range etc and then that transition into what you're doing now, was that an easy thing to do? Or, or um, did it, was it, do you still get, are you still creative in, in your role? Yeah, look, I think, um, I guess it's how you approach it, isn't it? You know, I think, especially in the sustainability space, there's so much innovation that's happening, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's around manufacturing or fabrication. So I definitely, like at the moment, I'm kind of spending probably more time just sort of really understanding our position. Um, but as I kind of start to talk to a lot of our partners, they're wanting to kind of work more back with us as well in terms of new innovations that they've got going on in their businesses because they know that we would be interested in sort of taking on those those new areas. So even though it's not directly working with product design, like there's still definitely a creative piece when it comes down to 
who we're working with from a manufacturing perspective, what type of fabrics we're working with, what kind of new innovations happening, what kind of developments are happening. So, and look, it's probably just a natural kind of evolution of sort of my role. And um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, you know, I'll always love products. It's always, you know, I think the rag trade, it's one of those things that it gets in your blood and it's very hard to, you know, I'll always walk in and, you know, the first thing I want to do is, is you know, touch and feel product. I don't think that will ever change. But, you know, I'm excited about the new challenge and, you know, even just sort of bringing um, Deb across both menswear and women's wear, um, you know, I think that just kind of creates a synergy in that space and then, you know, how I kind of um, create sort of the, the sustainability part of our business. So I think it's, we kind of built our business on, on those two things, I guess, when I think back to when we started the business and the really original sort of DNA was around, you know, design and ethical and sustainable manufacturing. So it's nice for, you know, founding members to be, you know, pioneering those two parts of the business because it's critical. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when we, we, what was the deciding factor? Where were you when you both said, Let, damn it, let's do it, let's go into business? We were both working for a, a, another company, another design company. Mm-hmm. Um, in sort of, I mean, at the time, Deb was the general manager, and I was sort of heading up the product team. Mm-hmm. And I think we just sort of got to a point where we're in our, you know, where we were in our career, and we just knew that we wanted to create something together, and we knew we had what it took. And I think it just, you know, it was before we had children, or before we had any kind of real responsibilities. So I think, you know, we both took a leap of faith and. Um, and that was, you know, nearly 15 years ago and, you know, probably, you know, it's the greatest decision to actually do that and create something and, you know, we always wanted to, it to be an iconic brand, you know, Australian brand. We always wanted to be really true to our heritage and um, so we went into it, you know, pretty clear on what we wanted to create and then, you know, you just sort of learn along the way and we were just lucky that it really resonated, you know, the product that we were working on was it really resonated and it was kind of new at the time and, um, people really connected with it. Well, it's an incredible brand, um, and and just some, oh, thank you. It's just such a. Uh, I wear I wear your clothes every day. Um, sometimes, um. <laughs> you know, just uh, <laughs> I just it, it just feels so comfortable and and so um, I don't know. You know, when you put something on, it just makes you feel good. I mean, that's that's such, yeah. such an amazing feeling. I know it, some people may not notice oh. it, but I, I just think that um, there's certain kind of clothes you put on it just makes you makes your day and you feel good. The whole day life can be tough yeah. and um business, yeah. business certainly can be tough um and certainly when you start your own business you you cannot imagine um what you got yourself into and that initial naivety mm-hmm. um and if we all kind of knew what it'd be like we probably wouldn't start a business or be fearful of starting a business but that naivety in the beginning uh is a good thing i think because it protects us from uh not doing yeah. it what was it like the early days when she mentioned, um, Deb mentioned that the, there was like a beach house in Palm Beach that was um, had possums and snakes and things roaming around. <laughs> what was that like in the early days for you? Oh, it was amazing. I actually, I lived in the house. Oh, um, it's you, your house. So it was, we had some, so it was kind of, you know, my, my home sort of, you know, after after work and on the weekends. and um, But it was lovely. Like, I mean, the nice thing about the, you know, the beach house was that, we were so removed from the industry, um, you know, all tucked away in, you know, the furthest part of, you know, Palm Beach. And we just really got to sort of focus on the business without the distraction of, you know, other things that were going on. So that was really, um, it was a nice place because we got to really think about the business and, you know, it just promoted sort of 
healthy living and well-being. And um, so it was a really, I think, you know, those moments at the time, you know, really build the, the, the essence of the brand and, you know, where it started. And, you know, that will always hold a, you know, a very, very special place, I think, in the business. And mm. it's a funny story, actually. We used to have to get, like, every year, like, the, the leasing would come around and just do, like, an inspection. And so we'd have to convert the office to, like, a fake home. And, you know, I think that's... Billy, who's our CEO now, who was at the time the general manager, I think his first week he was like lifting, you know, fake televisions into the house to kind of <laughs> pretend that it wasn't actually a working a working office. So there was lots of funny, you know, little stories and oh, the possums and yeah, snakes and lizards charging at us across the room and um, but yeah, very fond memories of that time. Did that put you off living there permanently? So you head off to Tamarama. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm originally from Melbourne and mm. so you've been in Sydney for yeah, nearly over 20 years and when we started the business, I was in Bondi and I moved up to the Palm Beach, which was really great because I just got to focus on the business and then, yeah, at the time it was, um, I was single and, you know, not much happening at Palm Beach on a Saturday night and so I, yeah, I made the move back to the east and, you know, have met my partner and three children and, yeah, we live in Tamarama now, which... Which I love. I love. I love both sides of it. I love the city, and mm. I love the access to art galleries and all that. But you know, it's nice working up here too because it's a really beautiful, um, you know, part of the world. Yeah, certainly. Do most of your staff live locally? Majority of them do. Yeah, um, we have a few that live in the east. It's interesting because often people will move from the east up this side for a bit of a sea change. We've had quite a few of our team members do that. And then there's some some of the team members that are happy living in the east. And um, so it's a nice mix of, of both. Mm. Tell me what you do for in terms of sustainability in your culture in the business. So this is kind of um, one of the sort of big projects that I'm kind of working on on the moment Um just sort of really defining sort of what we want to stand for as a sustainable business. So I'm sort of going through um, the entire business at the moment and have just almost completed a full audit. So now it's sort of, for me, the next part is really the education piece of, of actually taking the team through. And as, as of Monday, I'm actually um, delivering a bit of that to the team. Um, so, there's, I mean, there's lots of things that, you know, that we, that we work on, um, you know, in terms of... Um, some of the internal sustainability practices that we've got is that we offset all our e-commerce packaging, um, all our packaging is recyclable, all our you know electricity bills is on green power. Mm-hmm. Um, we do we work back with a lot of our kind of partners in terms of our manufacturers, and they've all got solar panels. Um, so there's kind of I mean there's so many um, you know different parts of the business you know in terms of sustainability. And look, I think, you know, as we start to kind of grow that part of our business, you know, there's going to be um, sort of more exciting mm. things that we're kind of working on in the pipeline at the moment, which, you know, we can't really disclose just okay. yet. That's but cool. there's, lo- there's lots of great things that we're doing. And um, and really, I guess, you know, the big part is the education piece and really taking, you know, our sustainability and messaging has been so quiet in the business. It's never been something that we've really, um, you know, gone out and actively but I definitely feel that there's more of a demand from our customers. There's definitely more of a demand from our, you know, internal um, team that they want to know what we're doing, and you know, and, mm. and it's really important that we start to tell that story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are you B Corp certified? 
No, not at this stage. Yeah, it's a really cool organisation. We're just, yeah. we just um, applied. We're just waiting for the see the results. But oh, it wow. Cer- it certainly is. Um, How was cer- the process? Uh, I think it took a hell of a long time. <laughs> it took over yeah. a year uh, because obviously something like yeah. this is not our people are busy working as well as trying to do this. But um, we did a yeah. really big push um, during COVID to get it over the line. Um, yeah. because that was the real impetus for us to do it in the first place. We, we were like carbon neutral, you know, 15, yeah. years, 15, 15 years ago uh, as a business. Wow. So we've always believed in kind of designing a better world and, and being as sustainable yeah. as possible. Um, but I think that uh, to be credited like this is, is really important for us and other organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, yeah, we're, we, are, we are looking at that at the moment. Um, we've mm. sort of had quite a few meetings. This is probably something that we probably don't want to put into the probably off the record. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, I think it's um it's something that we're definitely looking into exploring at the moment. And yeah. how do you what, what do you think in terms of customers? I mean, I probably should call you back and talk about it. Actually, probably okay. a bit yeah, of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, let's do that because okay, I'm, cool. I'm really interested to um to know more about it and we're sort of going through that process. Yeah. But yeah, that would be. Yeah, I mean, it's been great for the policies and all that as well for the people. Um, let's yeah. talk about how, how many, how much of your sales is online versus in the physical store? Look, at, I mean, it's um, the online business obviously has grown enormously sort of through through COVID, um, and you know the the growth doesn't seem to be slowing down. So I think you know what we've found is that you know customers that weren't necessarily shopping online are definitely finding that space a lot more comfortable to. To you know, to go and shop, but you know, it represents you know a big chunk of our business. And I mean, we have really great um, performing retail business. You know, we've got a great online business, and even our um, you know David Jones business and our domestic wholesale business is doing really, really well. So, mm. um, you know, overall, we're in a, a really nice position, and hopefully, things will just continue down that path. Mm. What about overseas? Do you have shops overseas? We we used to have a store in Venice, yeah. Um, and obviously with COVID coming, we we had to close down the store. And at the same time, um, our lease was actually up, and mm. we wanted to keep oh, the store time. going. But we were yeah, it was kind of well lucky in in terms of that. But you know, we were just sort of worried about when we could actually go and visit the store. Mm. You know, we didn't know what that even looked like. Um, so we didn't know what was going to happen in the US. So. You know, unfortunately, we had to um, to close down that store, which was such a beautiful store in um, in Venice Beach, and we just loved it. It had such a beautiful design aesthetic. So that was that was a really kind of difficult time to make that that call. But yeah. I think everyone was sort of forced into making sort of some tough calls through that, that COVID time, and that was one of them. But um, you know, we still have a really strong brand in the US. We've got an international business there. Our online business is really strong. So you mm. know, in terms of um, you know that market we're still very well covered mm, that's great i mean this that was a time to re- recalibrate um your business and yeah. f- consolidate it i mean i think a lot of people including ourselves did that and just yeah just took this yeah. time of going like jesus we need to be sustainable as a business we need to make sure that we're in business um yeah. that unknown you know that that feeling of oh my god this this could be the end of all of us uh it was yeah. quite scary wasn't it yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I still have some of those, you know, remembered some of those feelings in the very early stages. I knew that I knew that we would be okay. I knew that we would have, 
yeah, we had a strong back brand and we had a strong business and a great leadership team. So I knew that we would be okay. But I definitely remember those feelings. And I remember calling the CEO on the Sunday night when everything was kind of at its peak and I just rang him. I'm like, you know, what's the plan? What are we going to do? Like, we've got a, you know, we've got a team of people arriving tomorrow and we're going to have to deliver something to them. And, you know, he was so incredible. He came in and he had his plan. And, you know, we just basically, Stuck to the plan, and you know we were able to deliver on it and come out the other end. And you know we've learned a lot about the business, as you said. You know we got to cut a lot of the drag, the things that we probably would have wanted to make decisions on, but probably let things go. You know at that point in time, you had to really kind of look at your business very intimately and, and make mm. the good decisions. And I think um, I think for that has been um, you know a fantastic experience, and certainly one that I'll always kind of you know live by. Mm, yeah, absolutely. How do you manage to make it work with? You say you have three kids. Yes, I do. How do you, how do you make it all work? Um, look, it's it's very busy. Um, <laughs> but no, I have um, I've got a really supportive partner. Um, who he he's with it. He looks after the kids full time. Um, so I think you know without him sort of in that role at home, it would be much more challenging but you know I've got incredible support at home with him and um, which sort of allows me to kind of you know work and you know operate at the pace that I that I have to when you know you're running a, you know a big business so I'm very lucky and very grateful for that yeah that sounds like perfect combination there um you, yeah. you worked with uh Kelvin Ho who's a brilliant interior designer um yeah incredible. Uh, I mean he's done a great Great uh, thing with your store in Avalon. Um, mm. has, he, has he done your other stores as well? Yeah, he actually started when we had our very first store in Avalon. We did it as a pop-up store, mm-hmm. like a gorilla store, like 15 years ago. Probably actually 13 years ago because it was in the first year or two of business that we opened our first store. And um, so we worked with him on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so he's also, you know, has such a, you know, influence on our you know our store DNA and you know he's got such a beautiful design aesthetic which you know aligns so much with our brand mm. um, so yeah we've worked with him um, for all our stores and even um, even when we did the store in Venice we co-collaborated with him um, and uh, another architect to kind of come up with it with the concept which was really beautiful mm. and is there any special kind of sustainable approach to the stores well funny you are because um, just before we were um, starting the whole process with Avalon, we actually we only had like a couple of weeks to kind of turn that store over. Um, and I'd actually had a conversation with the CEO and just said, you know, I'd love to kind of work on some, you know, some new sustainability initiatives. So we're definitely for the next store that we do, that's going to be a big part of, you know, the plan in terms of what we can do and work back with, you know, Kelvin on that and, mm. um but, you know, I would love to do something in that space. I think it would be really, really amazing to sort of start to sort of really think about, um, I guess from our perspective, the sustainability has been more about our product-led um, focus. Yeah. When now we've kind of got a much more holistic approach to how we're approaching sustainability. And, you know, obviously retail stores is a big part of our brand. Um, and I think it would be really interesting to start to kind of think about that when we design our next store. Well, you recycled a bank. That was a that was a good yes, project. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we, you know, if we repurposed, we closed that store in Venice, and we had closed the store in Melbourne City, so we repurposed all the fixturing. Um, 
you know. So there was definitely a little bit of, of that. But I think there's some, you know, some you know, in, interesting, you know, materials that I think would be really interesting to sort of get like a, an architect perspective on on that on that space. So yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I definitely like the you got is it Australian vintage furniture too, couches and chairs in the yeah yeah. So that's sustainable yeah. as well. Yes, absolutely, definitely. Um, what I was going to yeah. say, what other what other fashion brands do you uh, look up to, aspire to that are in you know who are sustainable as well? Look, there's a, there's a few. Um, I mean, I guess in terms of you know Australian brands and sustainability, there's not that many that are around. I think you know obviously internationally, there's more of a there's, there's probably more brands that are doing that, but. I think there's definitely going to be more emerging brands that are going to be in that space. I mean, I think Elk, you know, that Melbourne brand, I think what they do, I mean, it's, it's definitely they've got their own aesthetic, um, but they definitely have um, in terms of their value and as a business what they stand for. I think they're an incredible business. Yeah, apart from that, I don't know any other Australian brands that are sort of in a sustainable space. Well, that's cool. I was just thinking if there's other brands that you kind of want to name and shame too that are really not doing good things. You don't have I to don't answer really, that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't really follow that many. Yeah, many brands. Well, I think it's cool that uh, both you and 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 uh, Deb were saying, you know, that you just really have been focusing on your brand and your business and yeah. the the honesty and integrity uh, with that mm. has been really yeah. um, admirable um, in terms of. That focus and um, not and and the humility around it too. Not not going to be out there, um, you know, promoting yourselves t- all the time. That are actually just focusing on the the quality of the product, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean that's sort of when we you know when we started the brand and even just you know at the time there was a lot of brands that were named after the the designers or the founders or whatever and. You know, it was really important for us at the time when we started it that it wasn't it wasn't really about Deb and Lou. It was more about the brand and the product, and that's what we really wanted to make sure was what people resonated with, not necessarily about us as you know the co-founders or designers and have that kind of celebrity status. It was never really about that for us. So, yeah, I think that was always the intention, and just sort of focusing on the business, and we've kind of. You know, kept that I guess as the business has grown and there's been more of a um, an expectation of us to be a bit more forward facing. It's not a very comfortable place to sit, but I think sometimes it's also nice to share your story and to be able to to talk to that as well. So, you know, we do get out there a little bit. If you were like advising yourself 14 years ago um, and the things that you've learned to date, what would you say to you, say to yourself, your younger self, or in the beginning of uh, to help you kind of like navigate uh, what you've now done? Look, I think, you know, having good people around you is important. I think, um, you know, having good people that um, are good sounding boards and that, you know, because obviously, you know, you've got your strengths and weaknesses and sort of having people around you that can that can help guide you. Um, I mean, we've always had that internally in the business, but I think probably personally just having that go-to which just helps navigate as, you know, businesses grow, as, you know, the dynamics of the business change. You know, I think having good people around you, good sounding boards, good governance is really important. I think that just builds a really nice, clean structure. 
But, you know, I think at the same time, you know, if you get caught up in so much of that, sometimes you lose the magic. So sometimes you kind of have to just go with it and go for it. It's been an exciting journey for you? Yeah, it's been been incredible. I mean, I think sometimes because you're so in it, you don't really get perspective of, you know, a brand that you've created that's actually touched people's lives and made them feel good about themselves. Like, it's so nice to hear that because ultimately that's what we want to do. We want to be making sure that, you know, our customer is happy and feels good when they buy basic. So, yeah, it's been a really, you know, it's it's been amazing to be able to create something and to, you know, hopefully go on to create like a really beautiful, iconic Australian brand that, you know, can be represented globally mm. and, um, you know, stands the test of time. And it's, you know, I kind of, that's sort of where I'd love the brand to go. And, you know, we're certainly, you know, we kind of go, we've only been around for 15 years, which in some ways is a long time, but in other ways there's just so much more to do and there's so much opportunity and there's so much more growth and um, possibility. So, Sometimes you go through these phases where you kind of feel like you're back to square one again and you're like, okay, we're rebuilding something, even though it's been going for 15 years. Um, But that also really excites me too when you kind of continue to grow the brand and bring it to more people and more people get to understand it and get to to wear it and, and be part of it. It's interesting, isn't it? When you've been in the business such a long time, you kind of, you don't, you just seem to kind of take it for granted how far you've come. Because yeah. you're focusing on, you're often focusing on the future, the next season, or the, or the next store, or you know, one yeah. day we'll have these certain some some sorted out. Um, for people starting out in business and with this new, I mean, prior to COVID, obviously the climate change is is still incredibly <laughs> important issue um, that we need yeah. to all play a part in contributing to uh, fixing the problems that are that are happening in the world. Um, what would you recommend people do as a business in terms of making sh- to enable them to be uh, sustainable? Part of their brand, then I just don't think that they will survive. Um, there's, there's certainly an expectation around doing good business and you know being good in the world. Um, so I guess my recommendation would be you know as you're sort of building the strategy and understand really what the true cost of something is. I think what happens is people get excited, they build something, they might undercost it, so therefore they set up their whole supply chain to deliver on products at a certain cost, but they forget about the other true costs of what it, what that product might mean. You know, if people produce, you know, production out of China and it costs them ten dollars for a T shirt, but, you know, the the climate impact costs five dollars, well the actual cost of that true cost of that product is fifteen dollars. Mm. So I think it's um a bit more education around that is really important and, you know, I think it's, it's not just about bottom line anymore. It's about building true cost and I think the customer is, is willing to pay a little bit more for something that is a little bit more thoughtful and has more of um, an understanding of globally what's going on and there's just going to be an expectation, I think. I mean, it's really, I'm not sure if you've seen like the latest um, nominations for the, the Australian Laureate Awards um, so basically, oh. you know, they've completely, so the awards were nearly, you know, based on like best Australian designer, best menswear designer, the best retailer, top model, Australian model for, you know, the year. And they've pretty much scrapped that whole um, 
nomination process and now it's all about sustainable and innovation. So it's all about brands wow. that are being more sustainable, more innovative. So the retail awards gone, the design awards have gone and so I think even just as an industry, you know, for you know, one of the top, you know, Australian accolades for them to be putting a stake in the ground and saying we want to support more innovation and more sustainable brands opposed to design led brands is um it's a really interesting space that they've actually, you know, taken and, you know, we've actually been nominated for one of the awards, which is, you know, really lovely to be recognised. But coming back to your point around sort of emerging designers and people that are starting out, like it's so much more than just, you know, coming up with a creative idea. You know, there's so much, you know, around social responsibility and climate and inclusivity and diversity and um, there's a much more holistic approach to business than there ever has been. So... My suggestion would be to to get get to get across it all. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you meet people who are starting business, who are running businesses, who who are are focusing on doing good. Um, mm. They're just such a different energy in that business. You you got a, yeah. a, a team that's completely alive, invigorated. They have purpose. The purpose is aligned with the business, and yeah. the energy is just remarkable. I, I find that mm. it's interesting. I talked to a guy. The other day, he used to be um, at, a, a, a head of a massive investment business in Japan. And he was probably in his late 50s, and he's just now gone into a, a VC business here. Um, but it's all yeah. about social good and doing good for society and community. And this guy yeah, has spent wow. his whole career in money. Um, yeah. And he's just been now, he's now just totally like a different person. Um, yeah. with this new sense of purpose and actually be able to utilize his whole career of learning and connections to actually to do to do good and to turn things around. Um, well, that whole shift from capitalism to inclusive capitalism, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an interesting space that we're going into. It really is. And it's like, like a huge, it's a huge, um, like loads of people are now kind of moving in that direction. It's not just... yeah. It's not unusual anymore. It's not just a few. It's not um, yeah. alternative. It is actually becoming the, the norm. Which is yeah, cool. it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not a trend either. I think it's, people keep referring to these things as trends. I mean, a trend is something that kind of comes mm. and goes. And I can't yeah. see that this will ever go now. No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's been, you know, so much, you know, social movement and economic movement and, you know, so I think climate movement, like it's all, and I think also to, you know, the voice is, is, is across different different people are now talking about it and, and I'm wanting businesses to be accountable for it too. So it's not the minority anymore. It's no. become more of a majority conversation, which is sort of where the movement comes. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, look, Mary Lou, it's been really fantastic catching up with you. Um, oh, lovely to catch up with you. It's so cool to um, hear about your, your business and, and all that you do and the phenomenal products and, and brands that you've, brand that you've created. Um, oh, and thank you very it, much. It really is a great, incredible role model for uh, other businesses and other brands. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe.